just hear this beautiful benedictory phrase of scripture with me, and then you can be seated after that. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to this power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You can be seated. Very different morning. The ministry of the word is actually going to come in the form of six gospel stories or testimonies from six folks who are committed to the life and the mission of our church. We wanted to do that this morning so that when you come back tonight, you have, you're arriving with a tangible feel of what's happening in the trenches of the lives of folks in the life of our church. So I'm just going to play MC this morning and orient you to each of our speakers who are just going to come share for three to five minutes each. The aim here is that you would begin to see that when a church draws near to God, gets serious about loving and obeying him, and loving each other, and loving their neighbors, beautiful movements of spirit grace happen in the life of that church, in the life of those people. So we want to celebrate God's grace to us through the last six months as we listen, we'll be asking the question, would I be able to get up here and talk for three or five minutes or more, if they let me, about the grace of God that is evident in my life, whether that is in suffering or in blessing or in whatever? And am I genuinely excited about being a part of a gospel-formed church that is desperate to see the real Jesus at work in and through our lives. I want us to feel that together this morning in hearing gospel stories from folks who are doing that with us. All right, our first speaker is going to be Matt McCann. If our church is going to thrive, we'll need many people willing to move closer to the life of this church in order to be discipled better and make disciples with us. That's been a part of Matt's story in the last year, so I want him to come and just share some of God's grace to he and Natalie and Laura. Morning. If you just saw Natalie flip over the back of that chair and land on her head, you'll know that one of God's graces to us is having given us this crazy daughter who is seemingly indestructible. Um, uh, Our story for the past year has really been, you you could pick a lot of things to come up here and and say about how God is moving in your life and uh, changing your heart in tangible ways, but our story for the past year has been one of uh, shaping us by community and changing our heart to uh, love it and understand our need for it. So, about eight to nine months ago, as some of you already know, we were living in a house in Billerica, and we felt really confident that God was telling us to sell our house, and what we thought 
moved to Methuen to start a gospel community there. And from that gospel community, a seven-mile road church plant would happen in Methuen. So we said that's what God's doing. We told a lot of people that's what we were going to do. I don't know if some of you know what that feels like. I know Clint's laughing back there. We were saying, hey, we're coming to Methuen. We're going to plant a church. I told all you that. And um, that's not what happened. What was completely unexpected, unasked for, unplanned, was that God would shift our direction and send us to live here in Melrose. And um, I, I could speak a lot towards why Methuen was not right for us right now. But what I, I just want to give you a little bit of that story, maybe in a little bit more detail of why Melrose is so right for us right now, why being so close to the life of this church is right for us as opposed to being up in Methuen. So if you were to look at our household finances, um, you would be wondering why I'm not up here on a weekly basis asking you for money. I don't want to make it seem like we're more, more poor than we are. We're, we're not. Um, but we live on one income, and Melrose is a very expensive place to live. And we could not do that unless God did what he did in selling our house. So when, we, when he sold our house in Billerica, he gave us the kind of money that you make when you rob banks and get away with it. So I'm not even kidding. Like, we could not live in Melrose if God hadn't done what he did with that house. So it's not that God that Christ demonstrates his love for you and the amount of money that you get and have. It's not, right? Christ demonstrates his love for us in the cross. But it is true that God does um, and is pleased to financially bless his people from time to time. And that is the season that me and Laura are in right now. So God did that, and we did move to Melrose. And we did that because... And even now, having lived here, he's making it clearer to me that uh, my heart needed to be discipled. I needed to see more and more the ways that Christ and the cross applies to every area of life. And we also needed training in a heart sense of getting a passion for sharing and telling others about how the cross applies to every aspect of life. So um, a lot of things have happened, and, and I see that God protected us and cared for our souls and keeping us from Methuen right now and put us here in the life of this, um, of this community. There is an electricity, an attraction to the community life that this church has. Not that we're perfect, but that its people are committed to chasing after a life together for Jesus, for his fame among our neighbors. So that is taking a, a, a hold in my own heart. And our marriage is healthier. Um, our family life is healthier. Our church life is healthier. And so um, I get to stand up here and say that God moved us to Melrose and we have you as friends, um, as a support. We're being trained here, loved here in a way that I could never have explained three years ago. Three years ago, moving to Melrose and being really close to a, uh, a church that 
is focused on Christ and living life together was not on the map. You know, I did think that we were going to replicate that up there. Um, but right now, that, that is not what is needed. God wanted to do a work uh, in my heart, in Laura's heart first. And so really this past year has been a shaping, a molding, and a love for living life together uh, for Christ in, in community. So thanks. If our church is going to thrive, we also need folks who will give themselves to the community long-term to give the work of the Spirit through relationships time to shape us through seasons of our lives. And I know a lot of us have done that together. One um, family that's done that with us is Trevor and Mandy. And so Mandy is going to follow Matt up and come speak. There she is. All right. She was hiding behind. Kelly, Chief. Your head over there. You're good. Um, so, hi. <laughs> um, so, to talk about the last year, I'd really have to talk about the year before. Um, we had a hard um, last couple of years. Um, basically, um, difficult family situations, and we were directly and indirectly affected by um, sin of family members and choices of family members. Um, Trevor accepted a job from a family member and, um, got paid very sparingly and not what he was told. And, um, so by the time he got a new job, we were really, we had eaten up our savings, all of our money. We had to move out of our apartment. Um, we had to end, um, therapies for Gemma and, um, it was just a really hard time. Um, we were in a bad, so we had to leave our apartment and then um, move in with the same family who, who was um, having, we were having trouble with. Um, and um, so um, um, I, I was in school full-time, in work full-time. Trevor was in work full-time. We had side jobs <laughs> and we had two kids. And it was just really hard. It was a really hard time. Um, and, but I think what, what God showed us, how God was so merciful to us, was that he allowed, um, one, he allowed me to finish school and get my license. Um, and Trevor got a new job. And we got, a, we got an apartment, finally. So we were living on our own. Um, but even more mercifully, I felt that God had allowed us to be part of a gospel community. Um, that poured into our family. And even though we were an hour away, um, just um, very practically poured into our family. Um, and um, and they did crazy stuff for us. <laughs> um, I mean, like paying for Gemma's surgery, stuff like that. And, um, and also... Um, Trevor and I were able to, so the, this past year was really difficult on our marriage, and um, and Trevor and I were able to celebrate our 10-year anniversary this past year, um, and we have not had an easy um, 10 years together. Um, we have a daughter with special needs, and just a lot of difficult things have happened to us in our past 10 years, um, but 
God has protected and sustained our family in a crazy way. Um, and we, um, are, if you know us and if you know our marriage, there's not, it's not, it, this past year there's been seasons of sadness and um, trouble and hardship and we've cried with many of you. And, but that hasn't been the undertone of our home. Um, our home has been filled with lots of joy and hope and peace. And um, so God was just seriously merciful there. Um, and um, so it, it wasn't like our family was seemed like a family who had just lost everything and was essentially homeless. <laughs> but we were a family where um, our kids were thriving and our marriage was thriving. And, um, um, and if you... I could talk about this um, with women at another time, but um, if you know about my family and about my mother's marriage and her mother's marriage and her mother's marriage, it, my marriage is very different. And um, just being able to reflect through this exercise has been really great, and I, I encourage you to do that as well. But um, God has um, saved me and saved Trevor from a lot of a lot of heart heartache in that in that sense, and I'm very grateful for that. And I think that that this um, that that is a miracle. So that's it. If our church is going to thrive and see disciples made healed and loved among us. We're going to need many of you to be willing to take a role of leadership in the life of gospel communities, to see those places where we are discipled and make discipled and share life together, to, to be a place where you're willing to make a sacrifice to see that thing go down. And so there's so many of you who have been doing that. Among that number are Eric and Sarah Gagnon, who are hosting and helping to lead a strong gospel community in Saugus. So Eric's going to come and talk about the last year with that. Okay, I wrote this out, so bear with me. Um, nine years ago in 2007, I was made clearly to see what Psalm 115.3 says, which is, our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. Uh, in other words, God is sovereign. He really is all-powerful, and he's not struggling with darkness like yin and yang. He really is all-knowing. He's not caught off guard. He's in complete control. Nothing escapes his foresight. He doesn't make mistakes, so that means that Jesus and his sacrifice was always plan A from the beginning. God isn't biting his fingernails and just waiting and hoping that people will put their hope in him. He loves us all, but he needs none of us. And he, he knows already those who are his children. And like I said, I've always seen these things in the Bible, but I've never, been, uh, never had it taught to me with such clarity so that it was made completely obvious to me that, that it was the truth. Um, and this was so life-changing to me, and others who have experienced this have uh, said the same thing and have called it gospel wakefulness. I'm sure that before that time, I really had been a Christian, and I really had been saved in my faith in Christ since I was very small, very little, I knew and understood that we're saved by grace alone. But in 2007, I was beginning to understand for the first time 
who God really was, and therefore who I was, who the rest of the world was. And for that reason, I at least felt as though I was receiving saving faith for the very first time in 2007. Um, the Bible in its entirety actually made sense, <laughs> and I felt uh, that um, even though it made sense, it was a thousand times more wonderful. Uh, so since 2007, I've, I've had confidence that I've never had before uh, when teaching uh, the Bible to others. And a fellow seven-miler has said it like this, I felt like my theology was finally at rest, and I couldn't say it better. Uh, so over the next few years, it became increasingly difficult for Sarah and I to remain in the networks that we were a part of because of our new convictions. And eventually, we decided it was a time for major change, and that's why we moved to Massachusetts. When we arrived here in Massachusetts, we spent four months in a different church uh, every, every week. Four months. That's a long time. Uh, we were looking for a place that we would call our home, and uh, we, it was an important decision to us because we knew that we wanted to commit ourselves to wherever we, we finally uh, landed. And um, so we've been here for five years. It wasn't until we arrived here at Seven Mile Road in the fall of 2011 that we, we both said on the first day that we were here that, yes, this is the place that we think that we should call home. And the reason was is because the gospel is clearly preached here. Uh, in the five years Sarah and I have been here attending Seven Mile Road, I can say this confidently. The full and the glorious truth of the gospel is preached here every single Sunday, without exception, and that never gets old. Since we moved to Massachusetts, our family has experienced some hard trials as we tried to figure out how to raise a family. We have three now, um, and to find a job <laughs> that could also sustain us when we're living in this area. And then we moved from Beverly to Saugus, which was a, a huge leap. Uh, we did that in January. So let me just say that while we were in Beverly, we really did think that we were better connected to the church than we were. We drove to the church here on Sundays with very little traffic, as some of you know, if you drive on a Sunday here uh, regularly, it's not too bad. And we thought, hey, we're 15 minutes away. That's not that bad. But being six minutes away from the church is a tremendous difference. Uh, every interaction with every person in Saugus now feels so much more meaningful. Having people over for lunch, inviting them over to church is much more natural than it ever was. And of course, not everybody can live as close as we are to the church, but we've certainly felt the impact of just living three miles away. Um, our group has grown stronger uh, as we're leading this August group. Uh, I feel like we're better focused. We're, we're on mission together. And um, we decided last month that the shared mission of the August group, for example, is to love, serve, share Christ with students that we know in August and their families. Um, so I feel like our group is, is, um, is a whole lot is a whole lot more focused uh, together. And part of that has, has been the ability for me to, to focus on just where we are. And we're, we're already seeing a lot of the fruit of that. It seems like everybody, not just in our group, but everybody in this church is so much more aware that we really exist to love other people um, and that we're to help people when they need it and to bring the good news of Christ to our surrounding community. And just look at our church. It just keeps on growing. The good news of the full and the explicit gospel is being preached just north of Boston with truth and clarity. That is a miracle. Like Pastor Matt said, it's a miracle. It's amazing. It's exciting. 
lives are being changed. So let's keep it up. Thanks for letting me talk. If our church is going to thrive over these years together, in addition to the things that we've said so far and the people who we've had share, we want to see the sons and daughters that the Lord has given us loved really well, unconditionally, discipled at grace cost to ourselves and taking ownership of their faith for themselves as they come to see with their own eyes the glory of God in Christ. That's going to happen. That's got to happen. We're going after that. The people of God have always gone after that, always worked hard for their sons and daughters to be brought into the fold of Christ. And that is happening in newer and deeper and more pronounced ways here. It's been a part of our story for a long time, and it continues to be. So Lauren's going to come up and share with us those seats. Hi, um, I've been go- coming here for 11 years now with my family, and during that time, Jesus has loved, blessed, and changed me in many ways. This year, he has given me several opportunities to talk to my friends about what they believe and then what I believe. Um, many of them have come to the youth group Fridays and her- heard about um, what Jesus is doing is doing for them. And um, another huge blessing is having Bible leaders who love me and are leading me towards Jesus. They have shown me um, new perspectives on God's word and explained things about him that I couldn't understand before. I feel more inclined to the gospel and more motivated towards helping people look to, to him. This year, I have learned to look to him in my everyday life. Um, I feel closer to Jesus than I ever have because of the work he is doing in and through me and through my teachers and leaders. Thank you. If our church is going to thrive, another thing that we need is for folks who are in school, undergraduate or graduate school, to not sort of kind of check into the life of the church, but to get here with us and to dive into the life of this church and to be discipled fully and to give themselves to making disciples with us. Even if that is a three or five year run, we need that. And if that's your stage of life, you need that. And so uh, Blake is going to come and just share some and I've got one picture to click through, so let me know when you need that. Sure thing. So my wife is actually in Denver this weekend. You're going to have to put up with the B team. Um, But I wanted to start off um, just by talking about the main theme of this men's retreat that we just went on was fear. And when I think about what God has done in my life over this last year and why he's brought me here, an answer to my central fear. And and the fear for me is the fear of being a disappointment, of being found out as not good enough. And that goes back to a lot of of different things I won't get into today. 
But actually, while we were on this retreat, if you looked around, people wrote their fears on the walls, and this was one written five or six times, which was pretty comforting. You know, I, I believed that God loved me um, in a noble, stoic type of love, but I wasn't sure that he actually liked me. Um, and so I had no problem telling other people about his love, about his grace. I did Young Life in college. It was a wonderful time. But I didn't quite really feel it for myself. As uh, my old pastor used to say, I was a travel agent handing out brochures to places I hadn't been, right? So that was a, a weight that I had carried. But in the past two years, um, two things happened that lifted that weight. After serving through Young Life, I applied to a program called Teach for America. I was accepted, I was excited, and then I was told that I would be going to Detroit, Michigan, which for a native Texan is like the Soviet Union. You just know that it's like white and cold and gray and people make things there. And uh, I was afraid. I remember walking around my first day and uh, not knowing which way was up. And I wrote down, I said, God, I know how to trust you in Texas, but you got to show me how to trust you here. You know, I, I don't know. Um, and Audrey and I were dating at the time. and She worried that I was going to go to Detroit and become callous, tough, hardened, that I was going to see all these things. And I did see uh, a lot of stuff. But the incredible thing is that it was almost like it took Detroit to tenderize me, in a way. Um, after teaching middle school for two years, being involved in a church where I felt like I belonged for the first time, and being with a group of men who really loved me, I began to realize uh, that God liked me. He wasn't just tolerating me out of his promise to love, but wanted to pursue. Um, so while I was there, I had never thought about seminary, and never considered it. But suddenly, church was a place where I saw a lot of healing being done, especially with racial reconciliation, which is a big part of Detroit's history. Um, and actually, the assistant pastor, the lady, came up to me. She had no idea that I was thinking about this one Sunday. And she came up and said, Blake, don't be afraid to be a pastor. I just said it. And uh, that stuck with me. The other incredible change that helped me let go of this fear um, was getting married to this wonderful, incredible woman named Audrey, who some of you know. Um, after we had started dating senior year, I made the decision to go to Michigan without her input, which was not a good move. Um, she supported it, although she made it very clear that it was not a permanent solution for our relationship. Um, but you know, this last summer we got married and started this new season, and that maybe more than anything has been a reflection of God's grace to me. You know, you give up your independence, you give up your freedom, control, and autonomy. You submit to there being much more decor in your apartment than you're used to. But uh, in return, you get this unbelievable friend who knows the good and the bad parts of you. And suddenly, all the things that I was trying to hide because I was afraid they'd push people away, she sees on a daily basis and loves me and likes me nevertheless, most of the time. Um, so now we're here. We've embraced this season. We've embraced being a part of this church. Uh, we're used to uh, doing ministry together, so being able to plug into the youth group, being able to help with music has been such a blessing. 
Um, she has a, her dream job, which the Lord just showed up, teaching dance in Lawrence. So we kind of get our urban kick that way, and she's killing it there. And uh, that's where we are right now. We hope together to be in an urban community, whether it's here or somewhere else, but are so grateful for the way that you all have taken us in. And uh, I appreciate you giving me the chance to share a bit of my story. you got to tell us what that is. One more thing I forgot to mention. So when we did Young Life in college, like I said, I was good at giving and receiving love. I was good at giving love, but I didn't know how to receive it. These are just a few of our kids that we mentored. And they came to our wedding, and it was such a beautiful picture of the gospel because instead of her and I providing wisdom and love and knowledge for them, they were there just to love and support us. So uh, when I see this picture, I see God turning the tables and teaching me how to actually accept his love for me and uh, ignore the gang signs as a different part of my history I'm not bringing up. One more. If our church is going to thrive, we need some of you to actually be willing to take positions of real leadership and disciple-making in the life of our church. That may be as elders, shepherd, overseers, that may be as men who are doing diaconal ministry, that may be as women who are doing diaconal ministry. And so Patty has been uh, with me leading our Kalos track this year, which is shaping the souls of women in our church who want to make disciples of the women and daughters that Jesus is giving to us, and also taking a pronounced role in leading the team of women who is doing that diaconal ministry this year. And so that's an example of what it looks like to pay a pretty steep price as far as trust and time to see to it that leadership happens so that the church may thrive. So Patty is going to come and be our sixth. So I hope at this point you guys are hearing just the breadth of stories that is happening here at Seven Mile. There is just so much going on individually in people's lives, but also we know that God is at work. He is working. He has been working. He will continue to work. And when I thought about the power that is at work within us, I mean, think about the level and depth of that statement, that the Holy Spirit is at work in each of us who believe, that we have the power of God in us. And that is amazing. And so as I thought about what to share, thankfully, I have lots of stories to share, even just from the last six months of what it means to walk in the Spirit, what it means to be completely aware of how fallen I am, of how sinful I am, of how weak I am, but yet in the same breath of my weakness, God in his grace has allowed for us to be used by him, that we are able to be used. And so some of you know the story of what's happened here with some of the moms here in Melrose, but I thought I'd just recap a little bit about what's been happening. So we have had a mom's group here at Seven Mile for quite some time. There had been a group of women that had been meeting for a number of years. And as we were planning for this fall, it was clear that this group that had been meeting, that was a really good thing, was going to have to be 
stopped for some time. They're just the capacity of where we were was going to have to to end. And so that was a hard thing. We had a group of women. We had to sit them down and say, you know, something that's been really good. We're just not going to do it this year. And you know, there's some questions when that comes up. And as I've thought about that, and at the time I didn't really understand what it meant to be pruned, what it meant to have to cut back to allow for greater fruit to grow. Um, but we did it in obedience, and um, we waited, and we sort of prayed. And I, in my own life, saw God moving in me and allowing for some margin in my life. Where is the space for me to move towards others in love was really the question God had put in my heart this fall. And so through a series of crazy only God can do conversations, um, Facebook being one of them, um, bringing the understanding and need that there are women here in Melrose who have little kids who are home, um, it became clear that they were looking for a place to be, to come together, to be loved. And so, again, crazy, crazy things. Only God can move like that. We have the space. We made some connections. I put it out there and said to a group of about 10 women, listen, you don't know me. You don't know this place, but let me tell you, let's come here. Come meet me. Come meet some of the women that that walk life with me, and let's see what happens. And amazingly, beyond our wildest dreams, these women walked in the door, and they keep walking in since December. And so since December, we've had about 25 women and their kids walk through our door. Um, And what have we offered them? We've offered them space, not much, you know, really mundane things. Space, we've offered them some coffee, we've given them some snacks, um, but we've really seen community grow. And what we've seen is by the simple acts of hospitality and of love, um, we have seen, I have watched this community grow. And not only has community grown right here in this basement, friendships have been formed, stories have been shared. Women who are home with their kids, who don't know Jesus, who feel alone, whose husbands, majority of them, we are finding out, travel. So these women are really acting as single parents with little kids all week. They can come here and say, you know what? This matters. What you do matters. Loving your kids matter. And that is a message that they're not going to get in the world. And so that has happened. And then on top of that, not only has that happened, but we've seen Plague dates happening. I, I'm here all over the time. Wait, what happens? You're going to their house? Like you've been invited in? So now we have these friendships happening that would never have happened if we hadn't just made, taken that step and allowed that pruning to happen and, and just really opened our doors. And what it has showed me is that there is a lot of things I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the next step is, but it's kind of reminded me of that verse that I learned as a kid, that your word is a lamp unto my feet. And, and what does that show us? Is that I don't need to know the steps down the road, but, but all I need to see is the light that he's showing me to take the next step. And that's what he's done here. And I I'm just can't be more amazed and more in awe and more aware of how small I am through this whole process. Um, and then another sweet story to just end is that what... I've seen in my own kid. So sweet Miles, some of you see, he's four, he's blonde, he's home with me. We've had to shift our days. You know, our Tuesday mornings are now spent getting big kids to school, getting things together, getting here. And he has just embraced this mission with me. He's my little buddy. He prays with me on the way here. He comes here. He knows what to do. He Now he knows, like, what we need to do to set up. He's become the resident vacuum cleaner guy. 
So he, as soon as things start to, he gets the word that things are cleaning up, he gets the vacuum out and he starts vacuuming. And so that to me has been really sweet to see not only is God doing this, but he's given Miles, my little guy, this opportunity to serve as a four-year-old and that he will, and he was also being able to be loved and received by people um, and make friendships that he would never have made before. And so as we think about loving others and, and moving with families and mission, our kids, not only are they going to get to experience, but they can, they are on this adventure on, with us. And I can say to Miles now, hey, remember that family? Or remember that? Like, they're coming again. And they have come, or they're asking questions about Jesus. And he will see that God comes through. And that is the faithfulness of God, um, not only as we love others, but in my own family to see how God is using just these simple acts of obedience um, to grow him into affections for Jesus. And so I have lots more stories, but <laughs> I'll leave you with that. And, um, and it's just been a joy to hear this morning. And I hope that at this point you're starting to have the spirit prompt in you a million stories of your own. Um, I bet we could be here all day sharing them. But this is such a good exercise for us to be remembering and to know that God is at work. Um, so we're not, we're not trying to build the biggest church that we can. We are not, definitely not trying to build the coolest church that we can. We're trying to obey Jesus together. And in that place of all in obedience, grace doubles back and just fills our cup. That, that's our pursuit. And we would love for everyone in here to give themselves to that with us full bore. Uh, All of this is dependent upon the grace of God, upon a move of the Spirit of God to accomplish His work. And so we're always beginning and surrounding and ending all of these things in prayer. So we're going to spend some time in prayer right now. If you are able, would you find a way to kneel with us? If you're not able, you can sit and pray with us. But let's get on our knees before the Father. Let's thank Him for His grace. Let's ask Him to take the next six months of our lives And to put a dozen people up here who can talk about a movement of Jesus' grace to them. Let's do that together. Father, without humility, uh, we know that you, you can't bless. And so I don't know if anyone in America kneels anymore, but we do. We kneel before the living God who is in the heavens, who does as he pleases, who is able to do far more abundantly than we could even ask or think, who can take weak and distracted and sinful people and he can sweep into their lives and their stories and he can bring renewal and revival. We believe that to be true. But this does not happen because we try hard enough or we strategize well enough. This happens because you act. You do so through the means of your grace. You bind the hearts of men and women together that they actually become family. You open our hands that we might give so that the church's work can be funded. You straighten our backs that we might take risks with our lives to the glory of Jesus. 
We do not want to play church. That just seems like such an offense to you. We want to give ourselves so that a healthy and vibrant and holy church might be available to us and our sons and our neighbors. I long for you to add to the number of those who are here believing Jesus for your glory and for their joy. I freely confess there are many days when I think that is a joke. And I've had a dozen conversations with local folks. But I know that is a lie. That you have changed us, that you can change anyone. So would you hear our prayer for it and our desire for it? We need children, we need students, we need leaders. We need folks giving themselves to this church, move on our hearts to do that in deeper ways. We could dream some big dreams for this place, but we want your will to be done, which we're told is way beyond what we could even ask for or think about. So come do it, not to us, not to us, but to your name might there be glory. Would you protect us from sin? Would you cause us to walk in the light with each other? Would you help us be generous? Would you teach us what to say and do next? Because we are weak and needy and sinful, but you are strong. And we lean into your strength and your grace. We will not be afraid. As David said, he wasn't afraid of 10,000 enemies set against him all around. We're not afraid, Lord. We're not afraid. So we're going to follow you and believe you and obey you and look for you to do beautiful things. Would you hear our prayer as a family for these things and answer, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for praying with us.